Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Gripped, Awakening the Grown in a Generation for Revival and the Return of the Lord. I'm Billy Humphrey. I'm Corey Russell. And we are in Season 5. That's right. Episode 3, we're talking about John 13 to 17, and I'm so excited about this season. (laughs) Me too. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to try to pull out different important groups of verses. There's no way we could go verse by verse. I that would want be to. I'm tempted. <laughs> there would be we would have to do 50 episodes yes, and yes. we'd still be scratching the surface. Yes. But what we're going to do is we're going to pull out different uh groups of verses that and and highlight certain themes. But we really want to encourage you to go deeper in these passages because this is this is the wealth of the Bible. Yes. This is the wealth of Jesus' teaching. I think of the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. And then I, and that's his first message. And then I think of John 13 to 17, his last message. And the Sermon on the Mount, it sort of sets a table for the values of the kingdom, how we're to live, how it's different than the world, and 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 what Jesus invites us to, and and how we we live our lives in this age with the values of the kingdom now so that we experience the riches of the kingdom later. So he lays all that out for us. And then in John 13 to 17, it's basically the, this is how your heart is able to walk out everything that I've called you to. And specifically, we need to keep this just before you. It's Thursday night. uh, Of of his last, yeah. This is his last night. He's going to die tomorrow. And on Tuesday in the Olivet Discourse, yep. he's talking about betrayal, yes. offense, yes. because we really want it twofold. One, this to equip you for your own personal storms you walk through, right. those seasons where you walk through in life as a believer. But we're also calling the body of Christ to see this as how to get prepared for the end time exactly. drama. Exactly. And so this can't be just a, oh, I heard it that one time on the podcast. This has got to be a part of your diet. Yes. This has got to be a part of your regular feeding on the Word, not until you just sort of get your mind around the verses a little bit, but until this becomes how you're living. Yes. And this is my this is my endeavor. I, this is what I desire. Mine too. Mine too. I want to I want to live in the love that Jesus describes all the way through, but that that culminates with this beautiful place of love between us and God and us and one another. I, I want. I'm. My heart is pointed that direction. Yes. I want that for my life, my family, my kids, my wife, my friends, our church. You know, this is this, this is, is what, it. This yeah, is it. This is what is available for us. So Jesus, He gave us all this. So John thirteen. We're gonna start. We're going to just start moving through and grabbing different themes. In John 13, this thing starts off so, I don't... It's probably <laughs> one of my favorite starts to any chapter in the Bible. Here we go. <laughs> I mean that. It's so good. I love it. It's so I mean, John's good. writing this at, what, 60 years later, 70 years later, looking back on that night? Well, and I'm... Before I even read it, I was thinking about even this morning, what kind of powerful Holy Spirit encounter was John having to be able to recall this. Because you got to think about it. Jesus says, I'm dying. Imagine the the most challenging moment. It's all blah, 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 blah. After that, (laughs) most challenging moment of your life, you only remember spots. You can remember a scene. If you've ever been in a a really difficult, you know, a car wreck or something, you know, it gets really cloudy. 
John comes back. He's recalling everything Jesus said that night in precision, oh pristine detail. And, he, and sometimes when you read this, you go, I don't know how that verse goes with the next verse. Stay with it. Because every phrase, every sentence, oh it builds on one another, and he's unfolding the embroidery of the kingdom, the life and the love of the kingdom for us so that we can live in it now. All right, here we go. John 13, I just want to read this verse, verse 1. It's so precious. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, this phrase, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It says, supper being ended, the devil already put in the heart of Judas to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. Guys, the richness that's going on here about who he is, what he's like, and how he's able to do what he does in the cross, in the betrayal, in the the, the beating, the crucifixion, is all found in these first three verses. Yes. It says, Jesus, as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, yes, he's God, but as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, operating in a measure of the love of God that enables him to go face first. I call it putting your face in a fan. He goes face first into this gauntlet of betrayal, uh, persecution, physical abuse, and crucifixion with joy, gladness, and the care for all of his guys and for all of us. And it, this, is, this is the ground zero of how he did it. First, he is completely compelled by the love of God. Having yes. loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then we're going to get into verse 3. But the identity and the inheritance— and the destination. <laughs> he knew He knew all of that. That anchored him. So for me, verse 1, when it says, he loved his own, he loved them to the end, I just make it personal. Yes. And I just, I just, and I've, I've had these moments of darkness in my life, times when the enemy's on my mind, or when trials are exploding, happening in my life. And I, I think I, I have to come back to this verse probably is the main one. You love me now in mm. my darkest moment, and you're going to love me through this no matter what, in my failure and my weakness. And this is such a statement of who he is, yes. what he's like. Yes. And so often the enemy wants to put this picture of God up, put this picture of Jesus up like he's this angry, disappointed, agitated, frustrated God. How could you? You're not doing well enough. You should have tried harder. You should be more. You should do more. And here's Jesus, and he's looking at his guys, and they're not ready. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not ready. They're still full of themselves. <laughs> they're unbroken, and he loves them, and he loves them all the way through it. 
And I just look at myself and my mess and my weakness, and I just know I, when, I, when I'm going through it, I just come back to this. You love them. You love them to the end. You love me, and you're going to love me all the way through. You're going to love me to the end. And it, it, solidif- it has solidified yes. me so many times to recognize that it's not anything I can do. It's just who he is and how he feels. This is one of the glaring snapshots into the heart of Jesus is that he is the faithful witness and he's faithful all the way through. Um, that's one of the screaming things that comes to me through this, through these four or five chapters is all the way through, all the way through. And these are guys who are still arguing around the table over who's the greatest. No, no. In, in one of the Gospels, it says they're still arguing at the table. Who's the greatest? And then it lets me know about at, how— In this moment. Yes. Yeah. So he's loving them to the end, and they're having open dialogues about who's going to be here, who's going to be there. They're, always... they're still having the idea of the Messiah that's going to immediately overthrow Rome. And make them awesome. And make them awesome. And now they're looking for cabinet positions in the new government. And to me, one of the— one of the striking things is as soon as he says, I'm going away, that's when the conversation starts. Yeah. Who's, who's next? <laughs> who's next in line? Like the level of pettiness, <laughs> it really does look like they're trying to figure out who the successor is, who's the main guy after G- – like what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? But I've been there. Yes, this I've gives me that so petty. much <laughs> happy hope. <laughs> We're going to make it, friend. We're going to make it. No matter how jacked up we are, (laughs) how petty I've been, how many times I said the thing I shouldn't have said, you know, I got frustrated when I shouldn't have, I I made the bad decision, the bad choice. They're they're the same kind of human that you and I are. Yes. Broken and weak and needy. And he loved them all the way through. He loved them all the way to the end. That verse one, you can feed on that forever. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. He's going to complete that which he started in you. I mean, are you ready to look at verse 3? Go. I mean, guys, I can't think of a greater statement. So, okay, you got verse 3. And this thing I have fed on so many times, and I want to say this to you. When you're wanting to grow in humility, you can't try harder to become more humble. You can't try harder. I'm going to be more humble. That'll last about 20 seconds until one person rocks that boat with the statement or doesn't respond to your humility. I love the moments where I thought, I think I'm finally getting, I'm finally humble. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) As soon as I finally arrived at humility is the moment. Oh yeah. You have, you are (laughs) an ocean from it. So what I want to say to you is that you don't grow in humility by trying harder you grow in humility by connecting to the humble one and that we are transformed into the same image as we behold him in his humility. But I want to say this to you, and verse 3 has always brought strength to me because it's revelation that fuels servanthood yeah. or that fuels this humility he's yeah. about to do. Mm. It, and, and a lot of people, it, Jesus wasn't just walking around, I'm, I'm lowly, I'm lowly, I'm lowly. No, Jesus is feeding on revelations mm. that I believe are critical to free you from your own stuff, mm. to free you from your own rights, mm. to free you from your own justifications and mm. your own stuff. 
Jesus knowing three things. Number one, Father had given all things into his hands. You don't have to fight for anything when it's all been given to you. By the Father. By the Father. Yes. That mean that that right there is I don't even fully know all the But that that you just said, you don't have to fight for anything. No. In my moments of the biggest jacked upness, yes. I felt the Lord tap me on the shoulder and go, Hey, hey, what are you fighting for? What are you trying to get out of this? What is it that you're trying to make your way and earn right now? If I could step in in those moments, and I sometimes he helps me and sometimes I don't do it so good, to this the Father has given me all things. The Father. All things are mine through him. Yes. Then I don't have to fight. Jesus, John lets us in on what Jesus is aware of. Yeah. And what Jesus is feeding on. Number one, he has everything. Number two, he had come from God. The pre-existent, you know, second person of the Trinity, the one with the Father. And he's going to reference that several times in this night, the glory that he had with mm. the Father before mm. the foundation of the world. He had come from eternity with the Father, mm. feeding on this. And us today, knowing that we were born in the heart of God, yes. you were chosen before the foundation of the world yes. to be holy and without blame before him in love. And you were born again to a new and living hope. You're a new creation in Christ. We, we have almost, I mean, we say we're born again. We have so little revelation oh on the new birth and what it means to live with the spirit of the living God on the inside of us that has animated our human spirit, yes. the, the Godhead dwelling in us by the Holy Spirit, and that's encapsulated inside of us. And this is our day in and day out walk around normal. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just as Jesus knew he came from the Father, you and I have come from the that's Father. That's right. That's right. And he was going to God. So it's past... And now he's looking to the future of the eternal security of returning to Abba. It's this longing in Jesus of longing to be with his father. He'll say later on, I think in John 14, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I'm going to Abba. <laughs> I'm going to the father. If you could see where this is going. Yes. And Jesus is pulling on these revelations. And then what did that fuel him to do? Exactly. See, that, that right there is it. It fueled him to rise from the supper. And I picture this in twofold. I picture this as the incarnation and then the cross. Mm. He's rising from his heavenly throne in heaven. Mm. And then he's laying aside his divine garments in that sense. And he comes and he takes a towel and he girds himself. All right. So what he's saying is. <laughs> I know. I should have. This is a picture. <laughs> yes. Okay. Verse four. When Jesus physically got up from the table and he took off his garment, and he got on, he got the towel, and he got ready to, to take the form of a, a servant washing their feet. It is a picture of when Jesus came from glory with the Father and put on, he took off his heavenly glory, his yes. garment, and he put on the garment of humanity. Yes. Verse 4. Four is a picture of that. That's one of them. Yes. Go with the second one. <laughs> the second one's what he's going to do the next night. Exactly. So the next thing is it's a picture. It's of the incarnation, it's what Corey said, and of the crucifixion. He takes the form of a servant, and he humbles himself to the point of death. It's what Philippians 2 talks about. So 
It's his incarnation. It's a picture of that. And it's his crucifixion. It's a picture of that. This is what I want you to see. He rose to go to the bottom. He rose, and with his power, he went to the lowest place. That's it. That's it. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus is giving us a full-on prophetic act through the washing of those disciples' feet of what he's going to do through the crucifixion of what he did. It's Philippians 2 in in his incarnation, taking on flesh, but then in his humiliation at the crucifixion. Absolutely. And the connection is verse 3 enables verse 4. Yes. So when you know what you've received from God, when you know you've come from God, and when you know you're going to God, you're freed. You are delivered yes. from ambition. That's it. You're That's delivered it. from making a name for yourself. Self-preservation. You're delivered from fighting for yourself. If you are struggling constantly with how can I get more? How can I make my way? What's what's my path to get up? Yeah, yeah, how yeah. can I dog eat dog my way to the top? Come on, the, God, there's a gift in me and the, the ministry. They've got to see what God's put in my heart. Look, if that's your thing where you're always wrestling with how do they get to see me? You need verse three. That's exactly right. You need to know what you've received from the Father, what the what the Father, who, who, how you've come from the Father, and that you're going to the Father. And when when those things resonate and, and land in you, you'll quit fighting. You'll be happy to take the form of a servant. Servanthood is born in identity. That's it. So I love it. He's going to wash their feet. He's giving us a prophetic act of what he's about to do the next night, the next morning. He's going to pour water into a basin and take the lowliest place in the house, the place of a servant, and he's going to come to Simon Peter. And I love Peter just showing up. And I love Peter this. I love this. He goes, Lord, are you washing my feet? You are doing the most base occupation in the house. It's the nastiest job. Yes. It's, it's, he's got... Cam, these guys have camel dung on their feet because yes. that's what's on the side of the road. Yes, I mean, this, he's watching urine and camel dung off their feet. And I love this because Jesus says, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. And I love this. He'll say that often, but you're going to understand after this. After what, Jesus? You'll know. And Peter said, Lord, here's the phrase, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answers, says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. See, this is the power of receiving the gospel. Mm. It begins with letting Jesus serve you. It, and it really never ends with Jesus serving you. It's who he is at the core of his being. God is humble and God is a servant. And, it, and you will never progress in your Christian experience unless you let Jesus serve you. Unless you let Jesus minister to you. That is the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. The new birth is receiving, but it doesn't just stop there. It's the ongoing reality of letting him minister to you so that you could step into this. And we all have objections to this. We, we resist this tooth and nail because we live in a society that says you must earn whatever status you have. Yeah. It is something so different than everything we live in. And, and this is the phrase, and I'll just say this, and then you can go. Where Jesus said this, if, you, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You cannot join him in his life 
until he serves you yeah, and until he washes you. I think the authority in the kingdom is established through our king, and our king is the servant of all. Yes. And then, so I just, when I, when I look at this passage, you know, from a large portion of my life, I look at Peter and I go, oh, Peter, you, you, dude, you suck. You know, it's terrible. Peter's me. so, so much more now I look, I go, oh my God, how many times have I been Peter? And the Lord is coming to me, to meet me, to serve me, to bless me, to take care of me. And I go, no, 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 you, you're not allowed to be that kind. You're not allowed to be that lowly. And what it's doing is it's offending the arrogance in Peter. And that's what Jesus does. When we see him as he is, yes. it offends us. Yes, 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 yes. Because we want to make Jesus like us. We want to make him a little better than ourselves. And it's just, he's not like us. He loves this. He loves getting down and, and, and serving the disciples and cleaning their feet. He loves this. And Peter is us. And we go, how could you? This is not, this is unseemly. This is, this is vulgar. This is repulsive. This is not, this is not fitting of God, which I think this is why we see the offense in Peter and then we see the offense in Judas. Yes. And what you have is the same offenses in both of them, but Judas doesn't have the conversation. Peter has the conversation. Because wow. Jesus is washing Judas's feet. Yes. He's washing Judas's feet. Judas doesn't pipe up. Peter so it shows sec- himself. It secures and cleans one and fully exposes the other. And it's just as offensive to both. Because when you see it, it's after this that Judas yes, exactly right. gets up. He's like, How? no. I remember, I remember years ago standing and having a vision of standing in front of the cross and I was angry that there was not more I could do to add to the equation. Dude. There was not anything more I could do to add to the equation, but I had to receive only what he was doing for me as my only means of righteousness and salvation. Mercy. Yes, mercy. Mercy is so repulsive, repulsive to our, our desire to prove ourselves worthy. Yes, yes. We want to prove ourselves worthy of mercy. Yes, yes, yes. I'm worth you dying for. And the truth is, he says that, but for us, we want to work for it. Now, let's just take a uh, hair on the back end as we, as we wind this down. Why is this prophetic act, why is this whole first eight verses of 13 so important to secure them for what they're about to move into? Go. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's just beginning with the work with with guys this is not going to be about what yes. you're bringing to the table. Yes. This is going to be what I'm living in and I'm going to secure you by washing your feet yes. which will be manifested on the cross tomorrow. And this thing is bathed and secured. It's done by me, through yes. me, yes. and for me and it's not going to be any no no it's not going to be about the strong surviving this night. No. No. It, it is it is completely about having to recline in the mercy. That's it. Of a God who loves us all the way through. A God who knows all of our absolute frailty, broken, jacked up weakness. And he says, I love you to the end.
he carries us all the way through. Yeah, I just want to I just want to stop with that and I want I want you just to f- feel that. I would invite you after you turn this podcast off, take John 13:1 through 8 and just put yourself in that place. Put yourself as Peter and Jesus getting on his knees and ministering to your feet and washing you and there's something about the feet I've always I mean, it is the most base. I've always loved Mary Bethany. We talk about her a lot. She's always at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And your ability to, to minister at the feet of Jesus is related to letting him minister to your feet. Absolutely. This, I mean, this is so precious and powerful. Yes, yes. It's something that we have to re-enter this moment of him washing our feet over and over and over. And I'll tell you, one of the most precious places to do that is in a communion. That's right. I would encourage you even turn off this podcast, go and get some bread, yes. go and get a cup. It doesn't it doesn't have to be bread and wine. You could you could have a you know, cheese it in a coffee. I've used both. <laughs> and you but it's just coming back to the place of the cross and saying, You're washing me. That's my salvation. Your mercy is rich towards me and it's nothing I could do. And I accept that. I eat the bread, I drink the cup, and I receive your mercy. Lord, we just ask you right now to take John 13, 1 through 8, and I pray that revelation of the grace and mercy and love of God, and that we surrender to you, Jesus. Jesus, we surrender to I you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I, I surrender. surrender to you, Lord. I surrender your mercy. I surrender to your mercy. <sighs> I surrender to your kindness and your mercy. There's nothing I could do. There's nothing I could have done to earn the cross. I surrender to your mercy. Make it real in all of our hearts, God. Do that in us. Yes. Let us see ourselves as Peter, God. Yes. And help deliver us from our own offense with your kindness and your your mercy. We give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus amen. Name, amen. We love you guys. Love you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Gripped. We hope this episode ministered to your heart. If so, feel free to subscribe and leave us a good rating. You can find previous episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts. You can watch this episode and more on our YouTube channel, Gripped Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at The Gripped Podcast. To stay connected with Corey's ministry, you can find out more at www.coryrussell.org. To stay connected with Billy's ministry, you can find out more at www.billyhumphrey.com. Bless you guys.